Hey everyone, this is George Edelman, Editor-in-Chief of No Film School for the No Film School Podcast. Today we have an interview with Michael Engler. I had a chance to sit down and talk to Michael about the Downton Abbey movie, which he directed. Uh, Michael Engler has directed a bunch of television shows that you've seen and loved because he's been directing TV for a long time and he's directed a lot of really good stuff from Sex and the City to Six Feet Under to 30 Rock to, of course, Downton Abbey to Deadwood to um, there's a lot of other ones. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's <laughs> the big C. He's got uh, pretty much all the a lot of the big shows of this era of great TV. He's uh, dropped in and directed some of them. So uh, it was cool to talk to him about his background, how he got started in directing television, but also how they took the world from the show and made it so cinematic because they really did expand on it for the grander scale without losing, I think, some of what made it work in the first place. So it's a fun interview. It was great to talk to him. And uh, the movie is out. So definitely give a listen and check back soon. So thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks for having Um, me. So I guess the first thing I want to ask you, because so no film school, uh, we mostly cover things like filmmaking, how people get started, what people can learn about the process. And you've been directing television, a lot of the great television in this era of great television. So how did you get into directing? What was your path and how did you start? Where did your career start? Uh, I started by studying acting at NYU. And then while I was in the middle of that, I somebody asked me to direct a play and I did and I fell in love with that. I went on to graduate school in theater as a director, got a master's in directing and um, was a theater director for a long time. And I think the path I've followed is very much shaped by that, by that it's formed in a lot of ways, by that the relationship between uh, directors and writers, my relationships with writers, with the script and with actors is sort of the basis of it all. And then I was invited based on some things I had done that people had seen in New York to observe on television shows in the early days of my career to, to, to go and observe on different shows. And then I started getting invited to to direct those. And I had always been interested in filmmaking. And I thought that would be a really good way to uh, see if I liked it, see if I was yeah. any good at it, see if I had anything to bring to it, and just to learn without, you know, going back to school or something. And it didn't feel like, you know, I didn't feel like I, w- I should just jump in and make a film. I didn't really know that I had the language for that or the the insight for that. But television seemed like a good way to do it because, as you know, sometimes as conventional or as... Um, just locked into a particular way of making things a show was. What was good about it for me was it it just different genres, different shows, different ways of doing things. I started to understand more about style and, you know, how you, different ways of shooting things, lenses, editing, all that. So you didn't go to film school then? No. So you learned, you really took all your theater knowledge, theater experience to directing theater and then into directing television yeah exactly and episodic television is a good way to start because you know so many of the decisions have been made and so you're 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 
you know, you're not, the whole thing isn't on your head to conceive something. You're walking into a system. And so, you know, you're just taking that particular script. But, you know, the crew can really, they know the show. They can really help you out. They can talk about how, you know, how certain things seem to work. So each show you'd step into, and there's been, you've directed so many great ones, but like you'd step into a show and there's sort of a visual language, you'd say, that already exists. Just like maybe that. Actors kind of know their characters, and the right. writers kind of know their story. So, right. so, so where do you fit into the? Well, you're so then you're taking it and you're saying, okay, so for this piece of this story, you know, what is you, what is the same? That's the same every week, like this bedroom or this kitchen or whatever. And what's different? You know, what's going on for each person? Where are the stakes different? And therefore, how might that style be utilized in a very specific way and also how might the vocabulary be expanded because i think the best shows the showrunners always they you know they want you to understand the dna and work within it but but not to see it as a dead set thing right great shows are built to keep going that's right, right. <laughs> whereas whereas movies are sort of built to happen and end that's right and so like if you're iterating on this idea you want to push it expand it take it somewhere it hasn't been so that's sort of the creative freedom that you've experienced with the shows you worked on yeah and i think the relationships i have with 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 good writers and showrunners who who want that they want you to understand and respect what they've done so that you're not reinventing the wheel or throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but saying like, oh, wow, this episode has this extra element or feels a little different in this way, which is right because the story does, you know? Yeah. So like talking, so coming up to where we are now and talking about Downton Abbey, which, you know, I'm a fan of the show, loved the show when it was on, loved the movie. Uh, you did the last Christmas special, yeah, right? The, and you the series finale, right? Yeah. Series finale, and you'd done a few along the way, right? right? So you'd kind of been involved in their process, but there's no question that this movie was a shift in terms of scope, right? Yeah, in so terms we, of scope, and also I think again in terms of once again that was so much a part of what we talked about because you know we knew we were making this primarily for people who already loved the show, and if we're, if they were going to come back and it was going to be only two hours, how would we give them the same feeling? But again, how does it feel? How do, how do you make it feel like it is? Uh, a legitimate object unto itself, right. you know, story, storytelling. It's a really impressive balance you walked because it feels like the sh- it didn't miss a beat from where the show ended us. Right. And yet in what, four years? Was uh, it something like that? I th- yeah. yeah, I think it wrapped about four years ago. Yeah, Right. Yeah. And so, so it didn't miss a beat, but it also presented almost immediately stakes and elements that were like, oh, this is why this is the movie. That's right. It's not like the show, right? Well, first of all, I think that the brilliance is just in his conception of a story, coming up with one story that would draw these 20-something characters in that would allow you little journeys and offshoots into their separate stories, but would raise the stakes and unify everybody in this one story. And then also that it was a story that would be bigger and grander and more cinematic and more ceremonial and and yeah. uh and 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 do the things that Downton always did but need to do them at a bigger higher level. Yeah, there's a few uh there's a lot of things. There's a few things particularly um just can you just talk about how you from a so from a directing standpoint you expand the scope of the of the canvas or the palette or whatever metaphor right, you right, want to right. use because like you're shooting wider it's bigger it sure. felt like it it felt like even from an art direction standpoint yep. it felt like 
particular the sets i imagine same locations and a lot the exteriors obviously yeah the, the exteriors the locations in the house are the same but for instance you know when we when we um you know brought back the set for the downstairs area and we just thought okay we're not going to change that set in terms of making it a different set but let's let's remind people that the house was always bigger than what they saw and now we can do it so the hallways are longer and more twisty and they lead to a a, a silver servery we've never seen right. <laughs> they lead to a thing behind the dining room we've never seen they lead to a a wine cellar we've never seen yeah. and so you feel as though oh right the world is is bigger not because we're saying the house grew, but it's right. like we can go more places in it and around it. And we, right. can, we can look at that house, not just from the ground, but from the sky. And we can see the 3,000 acres that are part of that estate. And, and so you, you're looking at it in a, in a bigger context. And so it's auto automatically bigger. But then other things like in rebuilding the bedrooms, you know, that had been like Mary's bedroom was a beautiful green bedroom. And then... When we rebuilt it, all the same furniture, all the same everything, but instead of painted green walls, it's a beautiful fabric that's that exact color, but because of it, it has a sheen and variation and pattern, and you feel like, oh, you're seeing into rich details you had never seen before, and actually they were new, but... You are seeing things you never saw. Before. No, I think that some of those things go can you can gloss over, but they affect you as a viewer because they're everywhere. That's right. And they're populating every inch of the frame. One thing that stood out to me visually was there's a moment, I think the last moment in the kitchen with Mrs. Patmore and Daisy and right. the lights coming through and hitting right, them right. in a way that just it's like, wow, that's a cinematic gorgeous look for yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. you can feel that it's a moment with them and we're kind of saying a little goodbye to them that's in that right. moment, but it but it it grabs you in a way that the show never went there visually. Well, I think it's a combination of... The, I, I agree. I love that moment. I think it's a combination of a visual and also, you know, the film, a film, I think, can kind of have a different rhythm and variation of rhythm than a TV show, you know, where you have to get a certain amount of things done every week and leave it hanging in a certain way and leave it... All that. And, and, and there are these grace notes like that scene... And even the scene right before it when Mosley and, and um, God, Raquel Cassidy <laughs> yeah. are walking away. And, um, and they, it's, just, it's just three lines, I think. Yeah. And it's just this little grace note that doesn't move the story along. It doesn't do anything. It just reminds you that, all right, these two people care about each other in a very special way, you know. And, and, and there's that. The other thing is we did consciously say uh, that in terms of the cinematography, we were going to use what we, the palette, the vocabulary we had set right. on the series as a jumping off point, but not feel bound by it. Right. And so we were definitely bolder and more playful, not just things like obviously drone yeah. shots you notice, but <laughs> you know, things like the scene of when, when Mosley has his kind of big yes. moment in the dining yeah. room, you know, that, that was shot in a way that was much more, comically yeah. you know aggressive it was bold. also stressful yeah. <laughs> this is a genuinely stressful moment yeah uh, in a he... world that you generally keep a very placid surface right it right. was ripples were felt suddenly yeah this like disruptive you and, know. and normally everything on the series the idea was for it to be seem more 
objective yeah. that you always sort of sat back like you were sitting and watching and this we we wanted it to feel more like we were getting inside their experience and being more playful with it both on the comic side and on the dramatic did side did you change any like in terms of yeah the show presents things in a certain way typically historically but did you play with like you know angles and 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 things like you know yeah. where perspective that was yeah. felt at times to me did break the language even the shots in the the town where yes. I don't remember seeing things like that. Well, that ever. was another thing too. Like the village, we expanded the village. Yeah. You know, there was always the idea that the village was more than what you saw because it had to be. There was no shop and whatever. And so those kinds of things we definitely did. But yeah, for instance, um, when they go into the shop with Mr. Bakewell, you know, that kind of bringing the camera really close right inside everybody um, and so that it felt more like you were inside this yeah. this crazy little moment between them and felt sort of the pressure on um, Mrs. Patmore, uh, you know, in the face of these yeah. people's excitement that she didn't want to disappoint. Yeah, there were some also surprisingly, you know, you don't always expect as a, as a member of the audience, you don't always expect with these sort of going back, doing the movie version. And we've seen it a few times where like, are we going to get, new stakes or are we going to get introduced to, or just fan service and there were a few moments there that surprised me in terms of their weight particularly moment at the end um with the violet uh character that that just kind of like hit hard and it came like it was a, it was a powerful moment um yeah you started it visually with a train too which was like a, hey it's a new time things have moved forward yeah. <laughs> very visually but like physically and and it stayed true to that consistently we felt the familiarity of the show but um i guess you know we, i like to wrap up with things like this when we talk with uh, on no film school is there anything you feel like you could impart to filmmakers coming up today people who are trying to get into it there's so much more happening in terms of streaming, in terms of shows, in terms of cameras you can get your hands on, what kind of advice or where do you, where would you see people having opportunities to get started or how would you help somebody at this stage? Two things. One is just make stuff, whatever that means. Just make stuff. Make stuff with people you who want to make stuff with you. And every time you do, every time I do, you learn something, you figure something out and, and you get better at it. But the other thing I would say is, um, and this is something I've really done and has served me well, which is work with the people doing the kind of work you want to do. It doesn't matter what you're doing with them. You know, get coffee for them. Those are the people you should be around. You're going to learn the most from them. And those are the people who are going to move you along because the reason you're so excited about working with them is because you share a sensibility. And those are going to be the people who, who are going to, help you grow in the way you want to grow and give you the opportunities because they'll see the passion. They'll see your sensibility. Yeah. No, that's good advice. Thank you so much for doing this. My I really pleasure. appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah.